Welcome to Living Water Radio. Should Christians try to change individuals or to change systems? Can we do both and under what circumstances? My name is Pastor David Burkadal. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I've worked in a variety of blue-collar summer jobs, served in the Marine Corps, played drums and jazz bands, and was a competitive master swimmer. After college in Minnesota and a seminary in Berkeley, I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. We are at a point in the coronavirus pandemic where pastors and churches are being sued for defying mandates to worship outdoors. And in other settings, demonstrations are being held. The question is being asked, why can protesters gather without restrictions and, in one case, burn Bibles, but churches can't gather and read Bibles? I think this question sheds more heat than light. Protesters are required to obey all laws, How those laws are enforced are, as they have always been, a matter of balancing the rights of protesters to free speech and for free public assembly with their responsibilities for public safety and respect for private property, while not falling into the trap of the small minority within them who want to spark an us-versus-them mentality and maybe a civil war locally or nationally. Churches are required to obey all local laws. How those laws are enforced are, as they have always been, a matter of balancing the rights of churches to religious freedom and freedom of assembly with their responsibilities for public safety and public health, and as an institution serving God who wills an abundant life for all people, and as centers promoting the common good. Most churches I know do not want to be known as centers for the spread of a deadly disease, but that's what's happening. Contact tracing frequently leads back to churches' indoor worship and activities. Outdoor worship, where, like in public protests, air can circulate and not be recycled through air conditioning systems, is being practiced and the likelihood of infection is greatly reduced. When churches protest that they should be able to exercise their faith that God will not allow any evil thing to come to them, that it's purely a matter of religious freedom, I wonder if no one in that church ever developed cancer or lost a job or got a divorce. Are they then told at one of the lowest points in their lives that their faith wasn't strong enough? I'm reminded in these cases of the story of the guy who was sitting in his home one day when a Red Cross worker pounded on his door yelling, The dam has broke. Get out now. We'll help you. He replied, Oh, thank you very much, but I'm a Christian. I know that God will take care of me. I'll be fine. And the Red Cross worker finally left and went on to the next house. The waters came and flooded the first floor of his house so that he had to move up to the second floor. A guy in a rowboat came by and said, Hop in, buddy. I'll get you out of here. Oh, thank you, the man said, but I'm a Christian. I know that God won't let anything harm me. The man in the rowboat finally went on to other houses. The waters continued to rise, and the man had to crawl onto his roof. A helicopter flew over, and the crew spotted the man on the roof. They dropped a rope ladder and shouted, Climb up, and we'll get you out of here. 
The waters are rising. This is your last chance. Thanks for coming, but I'll be fine. My faith is strong. I know God will take care of me, the man shouted. The waters kept rising, and pretty soon they rose over the house and over the man, and he drowned. When he arrived at the gates of heaven, dripping wet, he immediately demanded to be taken to the throne of grace. That's kind of an unusual request, but okay, Peter, St. Peter said. The man stomped through the throne room into God's presence and whined, You promised me! You said that you'd always be with me no matter what. What happened? What do you mean, God said. I sent you a Red Cross worker, a rowboat, and a helicopter. We aren't promised that no evil will touch us, but that we are not alone, and we will not be tempted by evil in any way that we aren't able to resist. We aren't promised that we will be strong enough. We are promised that God is strong and will show us a way out. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the 13th verse, Paul writes, No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but with the testing he will also provide the way out, so that you may be able to endure it. I know... Many of us feel like the elderly woman who once said, I know God won't give me any more than I can handle. I just wish he didn't think so highly of me. I have to say that the people whose faith I most admired growing up were people who had a kind of luminous faith, and I wanted that. When I was able to see what they had in common, I realized that it was an experience of suffering, often many much suffering, through which they could see that God had been faithful. They were faithful in response to God's gifts. So as I grew up, I prayed that God would give me just enough suffering, not enough to sink me, but enough to bring me through and with the same kind of luminous faith until I grew up and found out what that suffering involved. Then I stopped praying for that. Sin enters the world as it first entered through rebellion against God, from saying essentially that if I were God, I'd do a better job. There is nothing romantic about that rebellion. It results in all human suffering, but God does not abandon us. God loves us and promises we will never be given any temptation that is more than we, and especially our faith, can handle. What is the answer to sin that is that it infects the policies and practices of systems and institutions so much so that we often aren't even aware of its effect on us? It's like the guy who dumps toxic waste behind his factory to save money. He sleeps well, and the shareholders are happy, but downstream people are getting cancer. The answer to that kind of sin is systemic transformation. The centerpiece of our faith is that Jesus died on the cross to set us free from our separation from God, the effect of our sin, so that we might come into the living relationship with the one true living God for which we were created, so that whoever believes in him may not perish, but may have everlasting life. That is a personal gift. But while faith is always personal, it is never private. I read a post in a Facebook meeting for Lutheran clergy last week that said, Since white evangelicals construed faith individualistically as a personal relationship with Jesus, their faith and theology offered a limited capacity for understanding social issues. 
and that so when white evangelicals do recognize racism, they tend to see it as a personal sin requiring repentance, not a structural injustice demanding rectification. When the sin of racism is reduced to personal animosity, the solution is simply relationships. That's why so many white Christians have responded to the recent protests demanding systemic change by encouraging friendship across the racial divide. They prefer to pursue reconciliation rather than justice. I have said this exact thing. I believe that relationships are the best way to heal the racial divide. I have also lived and worked against systemic injustice, such as the racial divide in the United States and the system of apartheid in South Africa. I consider myself an evangelical. I am a member of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and in most of the world, the word evangelical is synonymous synonymous with being Lutheran. I also identify with the classic Christian worldview of American evangelicals, including a high view of Scripture and the importance of living and sharing our faith. But to many American Americans, evangelicalism only means a branch of American Christianity that has compromised its beliefs and any claim to moral authority by selling its numbers in the service of political power and influence. The prophet Amos said this at a time when the people of Israel had become corrupt in Amos chapter 5, verses 21 to 24. I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When Amos hears speaking the word of God, when the Bible speaks of justice, it's not speaking of what my party thinks or just or is just or what my faction thinks is just or even what I think is just. It means doing God's will. So it is more is it more faithful to change systems? or to change people. I would say you have to change both, but they must be changed at the same time. What happens when you change systems but not people? You get pretty much what we have now, social disconnect, resulting in polarization, alienation, and division. And when a pandemic comes along to require a new normal, these things are made worse, leading people to look for more authoritarian expressions of their own beliefs. What happens when you change people, but not systems? You get people who are self-righteous, apathetic, and see the common good as somehow external to themselves. What does God will for human flourishing? That is the only justice question that matters. Justice rolls down like waters, like streams of living waters. It is the product of the Holy Spirit. Let us listen to that voice of God, act upon it, and not be afraid. Today, let's remember to pray for the leaders of our government and of our church. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet at at David Burkadall, and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same address, says, and we'll include them next time. 
As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.